All right, that is to, to applaud these young people, as we say all the time, especially for that. What a, what a tremendous thing to not only be able to, uh, you know, get up here and, and lead us in, in songs that others have written, but for these young people to, to write their own music and their own lyrics and to do that, I am, I'm in awe um, of, of all of these young people and John, who so faithfully so faithfully leads them. So again, let's uh, let's celebrate them again this morning. Now, in the kind of a celebratory mood, I want to share something that is a celebration for me, and for Tony, and for Ryan and Cassidy. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to say anything about this, but but I think it is is appropriate. As many of you know. Well, some of you know, I shouldn't say many, but as United Methodists, uh, pastors are appointed on a one-year basis. We, we go year to year. Today is Announcement Sunday. Methodist churches around the state um, that are getting new pastors are hearing the announcement this morning. I'm very pleased to announce you are not going to hear that announcement this morning. I'm not going anywhere. So... That, um, and I share that not... I wasn't sure I was going to say that because if I, you know, I, I, I wasn't fishing for, though as I'm appreciative, I certainly wasn't fishing for that response. But I wanted to share that with you because we, Tony and I and the, and the kids, we're overjoyed at that because we, uh, we love being here. This is going to be our ninth year together in ministry. And um, so we are, uh, every, every year at this time in the, the early months, we pray that I don't hear any phone calls from district officials and conference officials, and that has been. So we're excited about that um, and excited to not have any news to share with you contrary to that. So um, anyway, let's, uh, let's turn now uh, to, um, to, to the story in, in the Gospels, in Luke 24. You know, the, the young people, the lyrics of the song, you know, celebrating Christ's presence, you are with me. Um, yeah, I can feel your love everywhere. And, th- and that's, that's a story that we, we read this morning. That's our focus this morning, Luke chapter 24. We are, we're still in um, these resurrection appearances, the aftermath of Easter, if you will. And in fact, actually, we're back to the day of Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But the way in which Christ um, joins us in our journeys that is present with us in, in ways that we expect and, and most often ways that we don't. And, and the way it impacted the lives of, of the disciples and those who were followers of Jesus, but also an invitation to explore the way his appearance and his resurrection and the life that we're invited into, how it impacts us and what it means for each of us. So this is the uh, appearance of Jesus on the road to Emmaus to the two disciples. For some of you, this is a very, very familiar story, but maybe not for all of you. So maybe if it's not as familiar, hear, let, let us all hear these, these words fresh and new. Uh, Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. It says, now that same day. Now again, let me back us up. We're back to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So that's the, the same day that, that is being referenced. On that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed the things with each other, these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? 
They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Friends and sisters, I pray here God's blessing on the reading of his word. Let us, let, yes, let us pray. Gracious Lord, we pray that um, our eyes will be opened in these moments of worship, in this time of, of breaking the bread of life, breaking open that the word that speaks to the the truth of who you are. Feed our spirits and call us to greater faithfulness and greater obedience. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Some of you may have seen, uh, it was a, I guess it was a few months ago uh, at the, the Country Music Awards. I don't know how many of you are country music fans. But um, at the, the, I think the most recent Country Music Awards, I, think, I believe it was the 50th year, 50th something celebration, uh, they did a, a special video, special song um, called, well, they, they, they titled the, the composition or the, the, the event, I guess, the video Forever Country. And it, it brought together 30 country music stars, new stars, uh, Carrie Underwood, Brad Paisley, Keith Urban, um, Little Big Town, Lady Antebellum, I could go on and on, a bunch of newer stars. And some of the, the legends of country music, uh, Ronnie Millsap, um, George Strait, Willie Nelson, who? George Jones was he? Well, I don't think he was in the video, though. Um, but, but they brought, yeah, they brought, but they brought these, these folks together, and they did, they did this mashup song. I don't know, how many of you guys know, what, some of you know what I'm talking about? They did this mashup song, and they took three songs, and they put it together. It's beautiful. One of which was Dolly Parton's. Um, I Will Always Love You, which my generation thinks of as a Whitney Houston song. But um, it's a Dolly Parton song. 
they took Willie Nelson's On the Road Again, and they took John Denver's Take Me Home Country Roads. And, um, and that song is the one that starts it, and it, it's, a, it's a neat video, and you can go YouTube it if you haven't seen it. But um, that song resonates with me because I grew, that's part of the, the soundtrack I grew up on. I, I grew up listening through my, through my father uh, to, to John Denver, and, and we would, and I've shared with you before that we'd take our summer vacations, we had, the, we had a big 1976 Chevy Beauville van that we'd pack the whole family in, and in that van was an 8-track player. You know, I mean, you remember 8-track players, the young people are like, what's an 8-track player? They will, never know, they will never know what it's like to have to listen to three songs to get to the fourth song on the track, you know? You couldn't remember? And, or, or to have a song fade out in track three and pick up in track four, that kind of stuff. And, and I can remember traveling. Dad had the case, and, and the 8-tracks and, and the were, were the songs that we listened to. There was John Denver, there were Statler Brothers, um, Kenny Rogers, um, Barry Manilow, um, you know, all this kind of music, and it became part of the soundtrack. But, but Take Me Home, Country Roads is, is one of those songs, you know, the, the whole John Denver um, you know, compilation of, of music. And, and it's the one that starts this video, and that's kind of why it immediately connected with me, because, because I connected that song. And, and that song is a, is a, is a celebration of, of returning to a, to a place of, of formation, of going home, going to a place that, that is a part of, of who you are, remembering your roots, you know, and, and, that's, and that's kind of what that song, I'm not going to sing it for you, I'm going to pass on that. The first service applauded when I said that, I'll leave that to the, to the kids, but, but that's, that's what that song is, it's, it's this song of, of a journey, and it's a journey back to a place of, of origination, a place where, where the, the story begins. And, and I started to think of that in connection to this story of, of these two disciples, Cleopas and the other, whom we don't know, that are on this road, and I believe they're on a road home. They're, they're going back to a place that their story began prior to Jesus. Now, now here's the difference. Here's the, the important, significant difference. John Dever's song is a celebration of going home. This is not a celebration. This is not a happy journey. This isn't pleasant memories. They're on this, this road to Emmaus. Emmaus is this village. It's, as the scriptures tell us, it's seven miles outside Jerusalem. It's, it's west, northwest of Jerusalem. It's heading toward the sea. We don't know if that was their final destination or just a pat point on the way to which they were going. But they're heading back to where the story, to where they were before their story with Jesus began. And they're going with broken hearts. They're, they're on this journey with, it's, it's a road of, of dejection, of sadness, of, of hopelessness. It's a, it's a journey of loss. Because they have, in the course of the week that they've just experienced, and even more specifically, the three days that they've just experienced. Again, we're back on Resurrection Sunday. So they have just walked the journey with Christ or watched the journey of, of Monday, Thursday, of his arrest, of his trial, of his um, suffering, of his crucifixion, of his death, and of his burial. And in that, they have watched their dreams die. 
They have watched their dreams die because they had invested their life in Jesus because they believed he was the one that they had been waiting for. They believed he was the one that the prophets had spoken of that was coming to make things right. He was the Messiah. And they had seen evidence to support that. They had watched as, as his words spoke life. As, he, as They'd seen his compassion. They'd seen his love. They'd heard the power of his stories and his sermons. They'd seen the healing that was within him as bodies were made strong again. They'd seen the authority even over the wind and the rains and the forces of nature. Everything that they'd seen seemed to support what they believed him to be. In fact, his very first sermon, they may have been there for that. When he opened the, the scroll of Isaiah and he preached the year of Jubilee, when the captives would find relief, when the, 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 the poor would be, would be relieved of their burdens, when the oppressed would find freedom and the, uh, the oppressor would be overthrown. They, they had invested all of this hope into Jesus and in three days that hope had died. That hope had died because the Messiah doesn't get crucified. He'd been executed as an enemy of the state. And so they're, they're on this journey, you know, talking about music, there's that Green Day song, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That's, that's the title I think we could call. We could call the road to Emmaus the Boulevard of, of Broken Dreams. And so they're going home. They're getting away from Jerusalem. They're getting away from the center of things. They're getting away from this place that, that in many ways had represented their faith, and they're going back to where it all began before it all began. And it is into this heartbreak, it's into this hurt, it's into this brokenness, it's into the sadness that Jesus shows up. And that's been kind of the theme that we've talked about for a few weeks, the way that Jesus has this way of showing up in these places of brokenness and great need in our lives. But what is significant is he, he shows up and they don't recognize him. Jesus shows up incognito, if you will. Now, you can ask me all day long, how did that happen? How is it that this person that they had, shown, that they had spent time with, that they'd fellowshiped with, who they'd listened to, who they'd followed, how did they not recognize him? And, and here's the, the profound answer that I can offer to you. I have no idea. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us how. Scripture, they were kept from seeing. In God's plan and God's providence, we can speculate all day long about why, but they don't recognize him. They don't know who it is that's with them. And it reminds me, it, it, it convicts me, it challenges me with the, the recognition that Jesus often shows up unannounced. That Jesus often shows up in our lives in places we don't expect, and if we're not attentive, we miss him. We don't see him because it's not where we expect to find him. Mother Teresa told a story, among our many stories, of uh, one day there in Calcutta, um, walking the streets, and, and she looked in what really what looked like a pile of trash, and she saw some, some rustling. And she and a couple other of the sisters went and they kind of looked a little deeper and they, they saw, found a man there kind of buried under the garbage and he was very clearly dying. And so they did what you'd expect Mother Teresa to do. They gathered him up and they took him back to where they lived and they spent the next hours cleaning him up, hours picking lice off of him, bathing him. She said probably the first time in months, if not years, and surrounding him with love. 
surrounding him with love, beginning to watch as he was dying, she said that the peace of Christ that began to fill his spirit. And his words were this, I have lived as an animal. I will die like an angel. And she said that it was in that moment that she saw in his eyes, she said, I saw Jesus in dejected disguise. I saw Jesus in dejected disguise. And what she was saying is that in that place you wouldn't expect to find him, in that place that we that Jesus was there. He was present. He was real. And I wonder how many times in my life, I wonder how many times in our lives, we've missed Jesus present with us because we just... It's not where we expect him to be. It's not where we're looking and, and for whatever reason we are kept from seeing. Well, here's the good news of the story of the road to Emmaus. Just because we don't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because we don't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Jesus was present all along, long before the disciples would know who he was. We'll get to the reveal in a few moments, but he was there. And there's so often in our lives that we only become aware that Jesus was with us in our rearview mirror. That in our journey, in our walk, in our struggles, we are not aware until we've come through it that Jesus was with us all along. In, in Methodism, we have a, a statement, provenient grace. It's grace that goes before us. It's grace that's at work in our lives before we recognize it, before we come to faith, before we invite Jesus in. But it's grace that's still at work in our lives. It's God's goodness, independent of our recognition and, and, and celebration of it. And that's what the road to Emmaus is. Jesus is there, even if they don't see it. And our recognition isn't contingent upon Jesus' love and presence. He's there, and he's with them. And this is what he begins to do. And this is significant. This is powerful. This is how Jesus begins to work in our lives even before we know it. He begins to put the pieces back together. In their brokenness, in their heartbreak, in their hurt, Jesus begins to put the pieces back together. He feigns ignorance. You know, what is this you're talking about? What things have happened? And they begin to say that this one who we believed in, has died. Are you the only one who doesn't know what has happened? That's their question. How can you not know? And I think in the... Some of the saddest words of Scripture are found in verse 21. As they're talking to him, they say, But we had hoped. Oh, and those words that carry a lot of weight. How many times in our lives have we uttered, But I had hoped. But we had hoped. And it, it signifies that brokenness. And Jesus challenges them. And, and he kind of gets pointed with them. And he says to them, Do you not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Are you not aware that the very things that you've described are the things that had to happen? The things that you think are the example of God's abandonment are really the evidence of God's presence. The things that you think are reasons for hopelessness are reasons that we have hope. And he begins to speak truth into their lives. Now, we need people in our lives that speak truth to us. We need people that love us when we're unlovable. We need people that will stick by us 
That's the way Jesus shows up. The people that are in your life that are going to be with you regardless of how hard you make it on them. And we all do that to some people in our lives. We need people in our lives. And if you remember a few years ago, we did a whole sermon series on conversations on the front porch about these kind of people. You need people in your life that speak truth to you. Truth you don't want to hear. Truth that makes you mad. But you need those voices that will speak directly and honestly into your life. Not in judgment or condemnation, but in love. Because they want you, me, to grow and to, and, and to develop and be better. And, and I think Jesus starts to speak some truth here. But what he starts to do is he starts to put the pieces back together. He starts to say, these things that you thought were reasons for, for brokenness and sadness are really the evidence of God's providence and God's plan. This is the way it had to happen. And he begins to help them see their reality in a new way. Treasure the voices in your life that help you see your reality in new ways. Because very often, it's the presence of Jesus that speaks through others. If, if you give me a moment to, to brag, not on me, but on Tony this morning. She was telling me a couple days ago, we were talking. And she was saying that um, she was at school and she was on break, planning period, I guess. And uh, she was having lunch and she's in the break room. And there's another teacher that came in. And um, the teacher just began to kind of share his story with her. Share the, the things he's going with, the decisions he's facing, the struggles and the uncertainty he's, he's trying to process. And, and just kind of, you know, pouring his heart out to her. And, um, and Tony's a good listener. Tony's, Tony's an excellent listener. And, and she, I'm sure, was just listening and, and offering her thoughts and insights. Well, the bell rings. Tony's on break. So the teacher leaves, presumably to go to the class. And two minutes later, he's back again. Continues talking. And she said to me, she's like, I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And, and he would leave, and then he'd be back again. And what was happening was he was leaving to go check on his class. And he was coming back to talk to her. Now, I'm not necessarily saying he should have been doing that, but her comment to me was, I don't know why he kept coming back. Well, I do. I know why. Because in that moment, she was a voice that was helping him begin to put some pieces together. Not telling him what to do, just listening and allow him to begin and allow him to begin to try to put these disjointed pieces into some semblance of, of a picture in a, in a far more profound way, in a far deeper way. That's what Jesus is doing. And Jesus continues to do that in our lives by putting voices and people by showing up in ways to begin to help us to make sense of those broken pieces, to make the mosaic. That's what Jesus does. And in the aftermath of that, the disciples make the key take key action that we are all faced with at some point. They invite Jesus to stay. Now again, they don't know who he is, but they know there's something special here. And they offer an invitation, stay with us. Stay with us. And they make room for him. And it is in that as they break bread. It is in that as they celebrate a meal together. In that moment, it says, as he breaks bread and offers juice, their eyes are open. And they recognize 
who he is. They recognize that the one who they've shared this journey with, their traveling companion, is none other than the one who they had thought was dead and gone. And instantly, they understand. Instantly, they recognize the truth of who he is and the invitation they've been offered. And here's the second significant point. That when they do, when Jesus makes home a home with them, when they've invited him in and they recognize who he is, they do not sit back and celebrate. They don't kick their feet up and say, oh, how fortunate we are, Jesus is alive. Oh, how lucky we are, aren't we blessed that he showed up in our lives. No, the scriptures tell us they get right back on the road they have just traveled and they head right back into the frying pan. Right back into Jerusalem. In fact, you know, I talked about that Forever Country song. Well, they transition from Take Me Home Country Roads to On the Road Again. Okay, that's exactly what they do. They're, they recognize that this revelation, this truth, this power challenges them. It com- they're under com- this compulsion to go and to immediately begin to share this good news. And they go back so they can share this moment with the disciples, with their brothers and sisters in faith, that they can testify that he is alive. And they become the instruments that begin to share the story. But when we come to faith, faith always must meet action. Hear me say that. Faith is always accompanied by action. This is not a story of two that are called to celebrate and keep it to themselves. But they get back on their journey, their road that takes them back into the center of faith, which is Jerusalem, and into the celebration of the story that they begin to tell. Here's where the challenge becomes. It's not only recognizing that Jesus has been with us in ways that we may not even have seen, But to recognize that when we invite him, when he makes himself known, when we recognize the truth of who he is, you are called on the road. Now, your road and my road may be different. The paths may go in different directions and meet different needs, but you're called to engage faith. It is never meant to be sat on and celebrated quietly. It is meant to be shouted and proclaimedly shared with the world, with love and compassion and sensitivity, but shared nonetheless. Nonetheless, See, the traveling companion is Jesus. He invites us into a journey the same way he did at the shore of Galilee at the beginning of ministry. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men and women. Get on the road with me. Begin a journey, and it did not end at the resurrection. It was just the beginning. Have you recognized, I guess here's the question, have you recognized your traveling companion? Have you recognized and seen his presence with you in ways you didn't see in the moment and at the time? And have you responded with the invitation, stay with me, stay with me, and lead me where I should go? Heart of obedience, heart of faithfulness, heart of following. That's what we're invited into. Jesus invites us to be his traveling companion. Are we willing to go where he leads? And follow as he calls. That is the question we face this morning. Friends, let's pray. Loving God, we we are challenged in our faith. And it is a challenge for us sometimes to recognize you. To see your presence with us. Your power at work 
through our story, through our lives, even through our brokenness. But when we do see that, when we recognize your love, when we recognize you are with us even when we didn't know it, and that you've never walked away, Lord, we're called to follow. We're called to get on the road and to, to engage the journey of faith and to share your story. Lord, help us to respond with faithfulness, respond with obedience, respond with gratitude for the truth of who you are and who we are called to be. That is our prayer. In Christ's holy name we pray it. Amen.